0: Okay, good. There's this button on here that says mute, and sometimes I have it on, sometimes I have it off. Uh, Lining your life by the Word of God. I want to share with you just a little thought before we get into this, but this has been a feeling of mine personally, is there's a deep conviction in my heart that there is not enough of the grounding in God's Word in our lives in a normal in a normal sense. So part of my sermon today will be looking at a couple statistics about this, um, and the one that I'm actually going to be going off of is actually in 2019, so it's not an up-to-date one, but I don't think things have changed that much, not from anything that I had seen to show that, but this is to give us an idea of it. But what I really feel like is, pressing on my heart, is that my prayer for this church going forward is that, We will be a church that has high respect and a deep love for the Word of God. Every one of us, everyone in this place will have a deep respect and a deep love for the Word of God. So as I preach, I'm going to preach with that intention in mind. I'm going to preach believing that you want that for this whole entire church. So no matter where each of us stand individually, we're looking at this not just as an individual but as a corporate thing. Because the more grounded every one of us are in the Word of God, the easier it is to live what Jesus intended for us to live together. And what we're missing is, what we miss oftentimes is this thought of individuality is such a big American theme, it's ridiculous. And so we're so individualistic that we really don't know how to be better than just individualistic. But really when you get, you like it or not, you're a part of a corporate body of Christ, whether you've... Surrendered or yielded to that. But I believe that the Lord's purpose for us going forward is to just animate and bring to light his word in our lives. And so I'm just going to bring some of those things out in light. Some of you are going to feel convicted. You're going to feel convicted because that's not been your pattern. And that's that's intended in some sense. Because that's the next that's the first place that needs to be for some of us so that we'll make the next step to where God wants us. Some of that conviction revolves around excuses. That you know aren't good enough. Like in your own mind, you're like, that's not good enough for neglecting the Word of God. Some of us are going to be highly encouraged because you're already in that place. I love the Word, but I want to, maybe it's going the next step, or it's just making sure that not only do I do it, but I love when there's preaching about the Word of God. Because, see, you know as well as I do, when you have some area of interest in your life, you're going to pursue that interest. And when you pursue that interest, when you hear somebody else talk about it, it just builds upon the affection that's already there, the deep love that's already in your heart. So that being said, all of us have different parts, but I think as we're going to grow together, and this is what I want to say, no matter where you stand with the Word of God, my heart is for you in growing closer to God through His Word. So you may say, well, I'm afraid of being judged, and I don't want to share or open up about that. As far as I'm concerned, and I think many of us, if not all of us in this place, feel the same way, you're not getting judged today. What we're going to do is to take the best we can, is to try and help you get where God wants you to be, and you know where God wants you to be. And that's really the goal of this whole thing, because the one thing we can do, and we do this in our house, and I've said this before, but I don't want to do it in this house. And I don't want people coming to me as a pastor and saying, this is what we don't like, this is what we don't want, this is what I think is bad, this is all those things. And I, I don't mind people sharing some of that with me. But I want people to come to me and say, hey, pastor, I've been praying about, and you you know what needs to be different, but I've been praying about the fix to the problem. And I have something on my heart that I think is agreeable to what God wants to do here. So when when in our home, what we've noticed is negativity and criticism spreads deeply, the more our kids, or even us, you know, we get into it too sometimes because we get infected by it. But when they say, well, I don't want to do it that way. I don't like it that way. But when we say, you know what, that ends here today. What we will do is this. We'll take in what you do want. Tell us what to fix. And most of us, we got stuck in, we don't know what to fix is, so we just complain about the problem. Stop complaining, right? So here's where we fix our problems when we delve in and dive into the Word of God. And we start really discovering it. And what I don't mean by diving in the Word of God is that you go to YouTube or Facebook or whoever else and get your downloaded sermons by a good preacher and maybe the great preacher and not spend individual time in the Word for yourself. Because what you need is what God is trying to get to you. And when you get you and Him right, then me and you are going to be right. That's just how it works. So it says in... In the scripture, it tells us that if you walk in the light, or if we walk in the light, as He is in the light, then we have fellowship one with another. And we can talk a little bit more about fellowship. So anyway, that's my highlight. that's my exhortation, pre-exhortation before the sermon. Um, let me read here in James chapter 1, verse 20 through 22 through 25. If you turn your Bibles there, this is the scripture here that we're highlighting. So last week we talked about being students of the Word. That's studying, looking into the Word of God for yourself. But today we're going to talk about how we're going to translate from being a student to somebody who takes what's in the Bible and makes it a part of my own in life. And you know I probably mix these sermons together in different ways because you're going to hear some of the same themes intermixed because I think God's trying to say the same thing to us. So are you guys there? Shout Amen if you're there. Oh, You guys forgot, there's empty seats here, so you're making up the difference for them. So let's hear it one more time. Okay, there we go. Reading out of the New King James here, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. My objective in this sermon is to take this scripture and highlight what I see out of the the word. So whatever I'm expounding on, my purpose and my design is, is to do the very thing that I want you to do, and that is to take what is written here and not come up with something else, but I want to just filter into what we see. And so one of the things I think is really important is, is if you're going to be a doer of the Word, not just a hearer, you, can, you have now to deal with the conflict of ignorance. So what, what most of us need to think about is not what I know about the Bible, but what of the Bible I don't know. Because that's the part we have to work on. The part we don't know. And so here's a few statistics for you. What we see here in one of them, this I found on Statista.com. And this was again taken in 2019. It said 11% of Americans read their Bible daily. 11% of Americans read their Bible daily. As a matter of fact, I have had a few instances. It's common among Catholics to believe that the priest is the only one who can be able to share what's out of the Bible. Imagine how famished you're going to be if the only thing you're going to be able to get is from another man. But I think part of the idea is, is that at least if we don't have everybody's opinions and views here, at least we get one particular view shared. But that's not enough. It's not enough, and it's not what Jesus told us. He said, man shall not live by bread alone alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God shall man live. So I can't be dependent on somebody else delivering that for me. You can't even be dependent if you spend a great deal of your time watching or listening to somebody else preach. You know, And I'm not, I'm not encouraging you not to come here on Sunday, but I'm also not encouraging you to come here on Sunday having been malnourished when it comes to the Word of God. So 11% of people back in 2019 would read their Bible daily. And it just changed as it went from daily to weekly to four weeks and those kinds of things. So here's an interesting fact. Most of those readers were over 70 years old. So they kind of got used to in time, they were 70 years old. But what's also interesting is that 56% of those asked in 2019 that they had an interest to read the Bible. So 11% out of 56%. 56% say, I'm interested. 11% of those who are interested do it. What I want to point out there is simply this. How many of us are caught in the place of, I feel the desire, the need, and I still don't do it. And again, as I shared last week, it's so important. If this is God's eternal word and message to the world, You know, you hear sometimes somebody say, what is your message to the world? Who gives a care? What is God's message to the world? What does He say? And if this is the eternal, then it's infinitely more important than anything else you will ever know and deal with in life. And that being said, is that let us not fall into the category of all the other 89-90% of people who do not read their Bible but this one thought came to my mind. Out of 11 people, 11% of people who read, how many people study the Word of God? So it's not just that you read it, that you dive into it and you study and glean the actual meaning out of the Word of God. And when that really hits me, I think about this. So here's something I want to share with you. Something I did, this was kind of recently, I took, I took a time a long time ago, I can't remember. I think it was, I wanted to read the Bible in a month. That was a while back. But recently, this was one of the thoughts that I had, was what if I wanted to read the Bible in six months? Because most people try and do it in a year. This is what I discovered. I believe, if I remember right, it was 1,189 chapters within the Bible. I started dividing that out by the number of days that you would have within six months. And what I found was if I could read 6 chapters in a day every day for 6 months I will have gotten through the Bible in 6 months. So then I actually took time and this was just me getting an audio version of and I was listening to the audio version and following along. And you can find it's just a little bit over 30 minutes in 2nd Samuel some chapters are longer than other like you know Psalm 119 that's a really long chapter. But what you'll find, I think, is an average, because you'll also find some really short chapters. When we, So I think it fits an average. So as I was, in 30 minutes, I had an audio version at normal reading pace read six chapters to me. Just a little bit over 30 minutes. 30 to 40 minutes. What does that tell you? Most of us could be through the Bible in six months. Most of us are planning to do it maybe in a year. Six chapters, not six verses, six chapters. Well, what that did for me was kind of bring some things to light. And I was like, so you compare this. You know what I'm talking about, right? Because it used to be that we do this. And we still got people doing this, but we do this. And tell me you don't spend 30 minutes a day doing this. And if you're not then I think the other thing we could address is that maybe, maybe we're putting a lot of time and effort into work. But what I'm trying to say is this. If it only takes 30 minutes to read through that much of the Bible, if, if that's true, then wouldn't it reason that in an hour a day, if I spent in the Bible just gleaning from the Scripture and reading it, that I could have it read in three months? Now, go ahead and check it. Fact check it. Come back to me and see if I'm right. I'm sure I'm not that far from it. But that tells me the greater deal of the population and even could be the population of the church is absolutely ignorant of how little time that we actually spend in the Bible. Because we think that being able to read the Bible in a year is a big thing. And for some of us, it is. But the reality is, compared to all the other things that we spend hours on in doing that we don't even come close to cherishing this everlasting book that God gave to us to show us what His plan is for our life. Wow! Man. Thinking it like that changes the whole context for me. And I hope it does for you. I hope it's like, is that for real? Can I really spend now? Here's the difference. If you start studying the Bible, it's going to take you longer to get through it. But just reading alone is most of what we're trying to tackle. If I could get this church, this size, to just be studious about reading the Bible, I will have done more for the ministry of Jesus than so many others that we preach day in and day out. If I could encourage and build your hearts to long to just, you know what, if that's true, that's going to be me. That would be fantastic. And I would love what the Lord has to say for that when we meet Him face to face in eternity. So we, we deal with here this, this conflict of, of ignorance, and it's huge. It's big time huge. Um, and I don't ask people on a general basis, how, many, how much do you read the Bible? I don't give them these facts when I do. But I think that some of us could be encouraged with it. Again, I said conviction would come at times. And maybe this is your conviction here is and i just want to imagine here one day i'm going to all we're going to all stand before the lord is this minor piece here of just being able to read the word going to be one of the big things we give an account for absolutely so then we see here in in john that if we're going to be doers i mean james if we're going to be doers of the word we can't be ignorant of it you can't be ignorant of it um and Then we also have one other thing is we have a conflict of misinterpretation. So how am I going to do what I'm supposed to do if I don't understand what it's saying? I don't understand what the the intention or the design of God behind his word is. And I hope in the next few weeks that as I share with you, that you're going to begin to capture a little bit more of maybe some of us are there. I'm going to just say, I think as a whole church, we're going to glean and be blessed by. If you have something to share along those lines, share it with me. I'll invite you up as a part of our time together. Now, part of this is Caleb. I want you to get ready because I'm going to have my son up here in a minute. Um, and but we talk about the misinterpretation of it. Well, most of the misinterpretation. So when I was working, when I worked in the salvage yard in Walla Walla, we had all kinds of equipment. But as you guys know, we didn't have good working equipment. And if we did, it was a great day to be able to spend one day working with the machine and not having to work on the machine. But what I found was this. I wasn't a mechanic. But what I did was this. I learned that if I would look it over very carefully and study everything roughly where that problem was, most of my problems were solved by observation alone. So I would say here is most of our problems in the same way it applies to the Bible. So if we could just take time to familiarize with the Bible, we would come and solve most of our problems. Marital problems would go down the tubes. Um, Relational problems that works go down the tubes. You would see church problems go down the tubes. Everything would start changing, and you would see this new elevation of not just that we give God praise, but that we give God praise. Did you get, get what I'm saying? I didn't get an amen on that one. Wait a second. Amen, guys. <laughs> so, Caleb, would you come up? I want him to do something for us. My first thought is memorize. How, you know, I'm not going to ask you guys how many of you memorize the Bible, but I want him to be an example of how wonderful memory can be. And so uh, he doesn't usually say it at the same speed that we do. But I think he's going to try and say it in a speed that you guys will understand. But he's going to do Psalm. You're going to do Psalm one. Yep. Okay. What the man who does not walk in step with the wicked? Here, I'm going to put it up closer. Yeah. What says the man who does not walk oh. in step? I mean, That's all right. I go through this all the time. Okay. Can you flip it for him for the? He's going to have to take it off the sermon for a second. Okay. This may change. Blessed is the man who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on it day and night. That person is like a tree planted by a stream of water, which yields its fruit on season, whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers, not so the wicked. They are like a chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in judgment, nor are sinners of the assembly of the righteous, for the Lord watches over the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. Alright. Verses one, he's not walking step of And not the of Okay, you can give me. On and off? Oh, I guess that was that mute thing. So you guys are going to miss that. If you go back and listen to the sermon, you're going to miss that. But at least you got, you got Caleb there. That is amazing. Um, so here we have this, that we might not sin against God. So our conscience has to be subject to something. You know, Mom and Dad, for us early in life, were that conscience piece. I know what's right and wrong because Mom and Dad told me. But what what do mom and dad have to hold them accountable to? This is what I'm hoping that we'll see continually as my conscience is subject to the light of God's Word. Why do I feel this is grievous and wrong? Why is it sin for me to go get a divorce, so to speak, under the circumstances that I am? Is because Jesus said. Why is this wrong for me under these circumstances? Because Jesus said. You understand what I'm saying? So then we have also here not just memorization, but here's another way we can study the Word of God for interpretation, and that is we have study references. We have concordances, commentaries, Bible dictionaries, all of these things which ministers ought to be and hopefully are utilizing to the ability to be able to just glean from the Word of God so that we can share it. But what if the church was doing the same thing ministers were doing? That would be phenomenal. Everyone would be equipped to be able to share and teach the Word of God um, based on those things. So how many of you know of those references? When I say concordance, how many of you are aware of concordances? Awesome. How many of you are aware of uh, Bible dictionaries? Amen. How many of you are aware of commentaries? So we have a great percentage of us here that do. Those are all very good and helpful resources for studying the Word of God. The other thing I would like to highlight is something that I waited late in life to start doing, but it's, it's journaling and, or some form of writing. But the reason I say that is, is because when you read something, and this is what I encourage my kids to do as well, I say read it and then write it down so that you don't forget it. Because there's so many things about the human brain that is, in its fallibleness kind of falls to pieces. But we don't lean on the human brain when we write it down. And so then you can remember it. That's one. But here's the other thing. I found that when I write things down, that slow process of writing it down makes it become more real and apparent to me. So then I understand it more deeply and more faithfully what the Scripture is saying. So I would encourage people to write it down, have some form of writing to do so. Let's look at Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 9, and it says this You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Isn't that wonderful? You shall write them on the doorposts. How many of you, who does this in their home? You have scriptures written on your walls. Where are you at? Keep your hands up. I want to see you. Okay. We have them in this place. They put them, well, We put them on their walls, some in their mirrors. My wife would say that's how she would memorize Scripture would be to put it on our mirrors, something she looked at every day, right? So it's still one of those things. It's wonderful looking for places where we can post it, put it, remember it. It's got to always be the surrounding of our life. I love that thought. Highlighting places in your Bible. Some people feel awkward about that, but the focus is for this book not to stay here, but for this book to get in here. So we have all those things. Write them down on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Here's another thing that we need to remember when it comes to interpreting the Word of God. It's sharing and talking and rehearsing it with others. How I understand it with my brother or my sister in the Lord. So that being said, we have Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 7. It says, and you shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house... When you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up, like in all aspects of your life, when you're at work, when you're at home, when you're at the grocery store, wherever you're at, you're rehearsing these things. And one of the things I realized in memorizing portions of the Bible, when I was driving, I couldn't I couldn't just have my Bible in front of me and do this, right? But what I could do was go off my memory. So when I was there and I memorized, now I'm, not, I'm going to tell you faithfully, I don't, I don't recall the whole book, but I memorized the book of James. Now I can recall the first chapter of the book of James fairly easily. And this is the difference. The difference from short-term memory to long-term memory. Short-term memory, you memorize it once and you lose it. Long-term memory is you continue to rehearse it until it gets into long-term memory, and you never forget it. So few people go that far, but that's the power of it, is I don't forget it because it's been there for such a long time, so I don't have to try. So when I memorized chapter 1, chapter one, two, three, four, and 5, what I realized is, number 1, because I had repeated it every time I went through all the other ones, it just so I never just didn't just do chapter 1. That's why it's there, and the other ones aren't so easy to remember and memorize. But some people think that's almost unheard of and unlikely because most of us don't do it. Let's build a culture in our church where we memorize the Word of God, where it's common and normal for us to do those kinds of things and lock it in. So when you're along the way that you can recall and teach it and rehearse it to the people around you and sometimes to the quiet space in your own car. Learning to manage time well. I think this is huge, but it's so important if we're gonna, you say, how does that have to do with interpreting the Bible, managing my time well? Because most of it is, if we don't have good time management, we don't have time to read our Bible. And then, therefore, we won't have the ability to interpret and understand it. So if we learn to manage our time well, it's going to be huge. Now you know, I just started something for the first time, and it's a one-year calendar for this ministry. And I think it's phenomenal. And I'm going to try and, and utilize that. I'm going to learn to do better with the calendar. But learning to, to for me, personally, this has been one of the most valuable things in my life, and I'm still working at it. Nobody's perfect or professional, but it's working at it. And here's the other piece, is we have to set priorities. Well, how are you going to set priorities if you don't manage your time? So all of those things, I think, are pieces to the interpreting of the Bible. And then here's one I think is really important, and this is a drama-free life. And when I worked with guys one of the things i found is is that we had lots of guys that worked for us, and the guys that had drama in their life, and drama that they helped create, they were never reliable, and they were always difficult, and it wasn't long before the season was over, and they were gone before the season ended. And so the thing I realize about this is, is that when we have drama or difficulty in our life, if we can get free of that, we can have not just time in the Word of God, but we can have focused time in the Word of God. See, when you have contention at home or something's dark in your marriage and you're having that fight for life or other issues in life, when that happens, it's so hard to have your mind at rest so that God can get into that picture. Because the more restless our minds are, the more difficult it is to get what the Holy Spirit is really trying to animate for us. Because this is a thing God doesn't do. He doesn't still your mind for you. He doesn't honestly just come down and stop your thoughts in their course, or there wouldn't be free will existed. But because that is the case, we have to put ourselves in an environment where we try and still our thoughts and draw our minds heavenward. But when you have drama in your life, it's constantly stirred up, and you have a restless mind constantly. And the more restless your mind, and the more troubled the emotions, and your spirit is over things that it's so hard, it's so hard in that environment to catch what the Holy Spirit is trying to show you, what the Lord is trying to help you see. So we've got to work on, and you know, here's one of the best ways we can do this. Uh, One, don't blame others for things that you have control over, just stop doing that. But one of the things we can seek time with brothers and sisters, don't just pray for me, talk to me. Share with me from your wisdom. We have wisdom here. Some great wisdom that we need to tap into. And some of you that feel like I don't have anything left because you feel like it was in your physical abilities, it's in the wisdom that God has given you. Share it with us. Share it with the young marriages. Share it not knowing that some of us just plain need it. And so that wisdom, just sit down with you and hear what God has revealed to you, how to work through difficulties in marriages and other things our family life, our children. Phenomenal what you can, you can give to us. And so I want to say God has given us an ample amount of wisdom here that we just need. And so because of that, it'll help you get through some of the struggles of life. Somebody will give me a nugget of wisdom that I'm like, I, my only regret is that I either didn't meet you sooner or you didn't share that with me a long time ago. Ugh, the, the pains that I've, I've had to deal with because of. So my my goal for some of you would be this. Today, find that person. Start looking and searching. Who has God blessed with the wisdom that I need? And when you start praying, Lord, show him to me, you might find that he'll get into you really quickly. And then lastly, build an admiration for God and what he has said. Build an admiration for it um, and... I've seldom seen anybody have an admiration for something they don't spend time with. But when they spend time with, it, admiration help is there. Uh, lastly, as we look in the in that those verses in the book of James, we see if we're going to be doers of the word, we need proper application. We can't just have, we need all three of these, every single one of them. So you can see why I feel like there's an absence when we just read the Bible. But we need proper application. And so I just want to share just a couple things that I find here in Scripture. And so this is kind of on the how. I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1 through 3. I know it's going to be up there, but I still want you to turn there. Turn there to Ephesians chapter 6, 1 through 3. How many of you love what God's saying here this morning? I just took this one scripture because I see it fits exactly what I think the Lord's trying to show us here. If you're there, say hello. <laughs> it says this, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you, and you may live long on the earth. This is a family scripture here. This is powerful because what I'm showing here is when we read this verse, this verse tells us what needs to happen. Interestingly, it doesn't give the details of how uh, our sons and daughters and our children can honor their fathers and mothers. It doesn't tell us, do your chores. It doesn't tell us, do it the first time. It doesn't tell us the details of, do it without showing attitude. You know, all of those pieces that come into some of the family dynamic. But it says this word, one special word, and it's honor. Honor. And so when I bring that word to you, immediately you already assume things based on that word. So we know things that we should be doing and should not be doing just on the word, one word, honor alone. And so I only need to say one word, and you will assume a whole host of things. It just should go with it. So if you read this verse in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1 through 3, what you'll notice after this verse is what Paul thought about it. So he read it, and these are the things that he automatically assumed and put back toward that verse. So here we see this. Um, Let's look in verses 1. So I want to look at verse 1 again. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. So he's telling them this is what honor looks like from the children's point of view is obey your parents. Well, that's a that's a big piece for our our lives growing up is this is how I can as a child, as as a young person. This is how I can honor God and embrace what he said in his word by just obeying my parents. Now, here's another one I thought was interesting. If you look here in verse four. And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Paul is linking this back to that verse. And what we miss sometimes is, if it was for my kids, it wasn't for me. But why wouldn't it be for you? Because all you're trying to do is sew into the very thing that you want your kids to adapt to. Now, I'm a dad, and I want this for my children, So I'm realizing this is essential for me to work the same ground that I want God on. And it's absolute insanity to suggest that my children should do what God wants while I do things in my actions and choices that compel them to do otherwise. As Christians, this is avidly important also. So that being said, when we really put it together, God has this whole picture in mind when he gives us one verse. So one last thing I want to bring out in this verse 5. Bondservants, huh, what? Bondservants, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling and sincerity of the heart of Christ. Again, link it back to that verse. Now, what verse are we reading? Are we reading, honor your father and mother, for this is the first commandment? Is that in the New Testament? No, it's not. It's in the Old Testament. But what they did was give us an example. So this is what I said to my wife. I said, this is the inspiration of the inspiration of the Bible. Because this is us, not just seeing that the New Testament, which is inspired, but the New Testament was inspired out of Old Testament scriptures. So this is powerful for us to know this. So when I look at this, God brings a whole picture to this. And he says, if you have this understanding, honor your father and mother, then you also develop this reality, assumed reality, that it's not said, but it's assumed by that word of honor, you already know that this works in every area. There's an authority over you. So this is to the ser- bond servants to be obedient to their masters according to the flesh. Now I told you last week, there's some things that are not our context. So slavery and bond servants wasn't our context. But w- our closest context to that is employment. Who I work for and what I do. And so what I see there is, if he's saying to those who were bondservants, in the, in the King James Version it says slaves. I don't know which is the best, but consider that. Those who are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling and sincerity and heart as of Christ. The focus goes back to if I were, if Jesus were standing here watching me do what I'm doing, would this be good enough for him? Well, that would change the dynamic of lots of what we would do if that's how we operated off of so what i see here is this you have two chapter verse 1 verse 3 verse 4 verse 5 and if you continue to go through it look back at that one verse and how each one of those verses actually apply back to that verse that's what i'm trying to teach you guys if you're not doing it that's what i'm trying to teach is when you read something in the bible Bring everything back to that verse. And if you can't find a context in life that fits that verse, then pull it out. It doesn't belong there. We have to look at the verse as this is central to what I'm focusing on. You know, so because you get in a mood. A mood happens. This is the way I feel about something. I'm really angry. My emotion is taking control in the moment. If you're a, a student of the Word of God and you apply the Word to life, You will take that anger issue and you'll bring it right back to the Word of God. Where Jesus, and the one that stands out to me is Jesus said, "The no, no, it's James. says, the wrath of man does not work the righteousness of God. That scripture, as it comes to my mind, and again, endorsed by the Holy Spirit, sometimes dissolves any kind of an anger that I would have right then and there. Right in that moment. Because this is what God is saying to me right then. And then you'll find other scriptures where Jesus talks about The Word of God talks about hating your brother. If you're angry with your brother without a cause, all of those things filter in. And so that's why becoming more and more familiar with the Word of God, you just can't escape. One scripture hits you, the Holy Spirit uses another scripture to hit you. And another one, another one, until you get the idea, you understand where God's going with it. If we're going to live our life according to the Word of God and line it up with the Word, then this is the kind of thing that we're looking at. So then we see here an obvious Bible Bible direct Bible, Bible directives. So some of them are obvious. They're like, okay, this is obviously so you can't escape this one. Others are these are so different cultural differences, I'm not sure how they apply. So you have to look into what I would call direction based on principles. So I'm going to get into some of these specific in the weeks to come, but I want you to see that in this in this sermon is so I think this one fits based on principles. So let me read this. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 6 and 8. Isaac, if you can put that up there. Is he doing a good job? Can you give him a big hand for what he's doing there? Thank you, Isaac. To keep up with me sometimes is fierce, and then sometimes to keep up with him for me is difficult. Um, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 6 and 8. With goodwill doing service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord, whether he is a slave or free, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as bondservants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. What you notice there is a principle. He's not telling you how to do this, he's not giving specific instructions of what you do in these situations all he's doing is simply this. He's giving you a principle, and from that, you already have ideas and thoughts that come into mind. It's pretty obvious that my boss does not want me to cheat on my time card so that I can get more money because I feel like my family could use it. You understand where I'm going with that. The obviousness of, if I'm going to do this as unto the Lord, it's like he's always watching me. When that changes your direction in life changes based on not seeing God looking at you, then before you know it, you will have all kinds of things that you know morally are wrong, but yet you still do them. But then the other piece of the hang-up is, we want Jesus to say when life is over with, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. So the bigger complication that I find is this, is this harmony between grace and life. And what I find is, is that there's, there's lacking in so much of what we talk about, this, this piece of grace for life. So what we find is somebody oftentimes will talk about their failure and how God has loved them. And I don't have a problem with that. But what I struggle with is how much of this is because at heart, we're not taking in the Word of God so that we would live the way He wants us to live. And because of that, we find ourselves constantly stumbling because it's more of a heart issue with you than it is a forgiveness issue with God. And so our need in our culture, in our Christian lives, have to come to the place where purity becomes the natural product of our time spent with the Lord. Because they that are pure in heart shall see God. So what we have is this, I I sense, I sense that we have this huge difficulty of people are way over here on the left side. We may say we're on the right side when it comes to politics, but when it comes to the Bible, we're on the left side when it comes to our life. We're on the right side when it comes to our belief. And so that's what we have. That's why I say there's a dynamic to faith that we're missing because faith produces in us an ability to walk with God. Because the moment we actually trust the Lord the Holy Spirit can work through that. But when we're not trusting the Lord, we find this weird dynamic of, it's like God's not in my space. God's never there to help me. He's not there to work through these things in my life. And really, there's other underlying issues of the heart that the Holy Spirit starts to deal with. And if we catch what God's message is to us, we'll find that there's things, elements, that we've not surrendered to the Lord. And until we do, this peace really doesn't happen. So, again, the principle here. And then lastly, here's the leading of the Holy Spirit. Because you and I could have the Word. We could have the um, the principle. But you and I wouldn't do very good without it if we didn't have the Holy Spirit to continue to manage our life. So here's what I see. As, as a father to my children, I see there's times when definitely you don't want to do that today, do you? <laughs> You're just not wanting to do it. You're not in the mood. Yesterday was great, but today is not the same day for some reason. And so I'm acting on my sons or my daughter in such a way as to kind of persuade them, but not force them into compliance. And you know, if you've been, all of us have been parents, that's hard to do oftentimes. But the reality is that we want you to get to the place where your heart is intended in this, but without you acting on your now. <laughs> Think about this. Without you acting on your children, especially at young ages, how much, how much confidence do we have in this place that they're going to do well without us? They're going to guide their life well without us. So, that being said, I want to just say this. That's why we need the Holy Spirit. Because you're no better. You're no better at doing this. He's the one that kind of seals the deal, brings the conviction in, and we do our part, God does his part. The more we are, and I love this with my children, there's times when I cannot be more blessed by my kids. And you guys have blessed me because now you're reflecting your father's heart back to him. So the days that I live for as a father are the days that my children do something that I didn't tell them yes or no, but it's exactly what I would have wanted them to do. It's like they captured my heart and put it into action and I didn't have to tell them to do it. That's the heart that I pray for the church is the more we study the Word of God and we have a heart for His Word naturally and supernaturally, the Lord will enable us to be able to do what He has written and told us to do. That's the end of this sermon. (laughs) What I want you guys to do in this moment is take a moment to reflect on your personal lives. I want you to take a moment. I'm not asking you just to come to an altar and make a confession to the Lord. We have it as an open place because this is the time when God wants to just bring things together in our hearts. But I want you to consider something here is sometimes the piece that we're talking about is the piece of what you're going to do after service, what you're going to do going into this week. So when I take the Word of God into my life, what I'm going to do with that piece? Do you understand what I'm saying? So one instance, we can come up here, but if tomorrow isn't different, then we might have missed the whole mark of coming forward. The biggest cherished piece is that we come forward, open our hearts to the Lord, and throughout the week we continue to surrender to God. And I don't know if that means for you Tightening the grip on just reading the Bible, just something that simple. But anything that we do that progresses us forward is an act of obedience to God. And I just want to highlight that. The start of obedience is obedience, no matter how big or small that is. And I just want to continue to uh, encourage you, every one of you, to just surrender to the Lord in that way. So I'm going to have Tina and... um, and Tina and my wife come up. And as they sing, I want you to take that time that the Lord's been on your heart to come before Him and bring that confession to Him, share that with Him, open your heart to Him. But whatever we do in this service, just let the Holy Spirit touch your heart.